Yeah, uh, I've got so much information, it's coming out of my ears. So uh, I had some extra time this week. Let me see if it's working. There we go. It works. I had some extra time this week. I thought, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend that time. I really didn't have extra time, but I made extra time to study and to polish a beautiful lesson for you. But then what I ended up doing was just getting so much information <laughs> that I was just overwhelmed uh, on this topic, and I'm so thankful for it. And I tell you, I just feel the Holy Ghost. Monday night, I was praying on this topic. I feel like tonight, I'm praying tonight, God's going to do something, something big. I feel it in the Spirit. Tonight, God's going to do something big. Maybe God's going to change the history of this church tonight, the future of this church tonight. That's what I'm praying in Jesus' name. I feel something in the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And I'm, I, I can guarantee I won't get to all this lesson. I might end up splitting this lesson into two. But I know there are a few things that God's really leading me on. And um, if we get there and God just takes over, then so be it. We'll do the rest of this lesson another time. So we're talking on the ministerial office gifts. These are spiritual leadership offices given by God as gifts to the church. We find them in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, starting in verse 8, it tells us, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now, a couple verses later, in verse 11, he begins to explain the offices. He is speaking of the offices as gifts to the church. That's why we call them ministerial office gifts. Another uh, way to describe them are fivefold ministries. That's a, a, a line that has been used often, fivefold ministries. Uh, it says in verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting, let me stay on top of this, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, I'm not going to go through this like I've done every time, but you can see this is what the fivefold ministry does. It helps to mature the church, and this is what maturity looks like, that the saints would come to a place of holiness and perfection. They would be involved in the ministry, that they would be edifying the other people in, the walk with, in their walk with God, Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith, that's maturity, hallelujah. That's what the fivefold ministry is supposed to strive for, the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, hallelujah. That's a pretty big uh, prescription there, praise God. But when the fivefold ministry operates as it should, that's what we can expect. That God would develop perfect men and perfect women in the church. Hallelujah. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, fro carried about with every wind of doctrine. They're meant to solidify us in the doctrine. By the slide of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. 
So the fivefold ministry is actually the first line of defense against false prophecy, against false doctrine. Hallelujah. That's why the fivefold ministry is so important. It's not just to edify and to build, but also to guard the people of God that they would not be taken astray by false doctrine and teachings that are not biblical and of God. Aren't you thankful for the ministry in your life that always teaches and helps you to stay on the right path? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And that will become very important when we get to the topic of the pastor. Tonight, we're not there yet. We'll be talking about the prophet. But as you see our little uh, uh, example here of the body of Christ, uh, this is just a simple way to remember what each is meant to do. The, the primary focus of each, the primary focus of the apostles, the leg, keeping the, the ministry moving forward. The primary focus of the evangelist is the hands, the reaching for the lost. The primary focus of the pastor is the heart. He's the heartbeat, the love the, of the church, keeping everything flowing in the body as it should. Hallelujah. The primary focus of the teacher is to communicate the word of God and the will of God. God through scripture and then the primary focus of the prophet is to seeing in the spiritual realm what God desires of the church so this is something that I put together I believe it is uh, again, I don't know why there's not more more teaching on this, but this seems like it's pretty obvious to me. Now, when I say the apostles' focus, I'm not trying to put these in boxes, okay? So what I'm saying is the primary focuses, these are what these offices primarily focus on. The apostle focuses on mission. The prophet focuses on the spirit or the spiritual realm. The evangelist focuses on unbelievers. The pastor focuses on believers. And the teacher focuses on doctrine. Understanding these five roles and where my passion is there is important. Because if you can look around and say, my passion is the mission of the church then maybe you're called to be an apostle. If you say, my passion is the spirit and the spiritual realm, the gifts of the spirit, maybe you're called to be a prophet. If you say, my passion is unbelievers and helping people come to the Lord, maybe you're called to be an evangelist. If you say, my passion is other believers, encouraging other believers, encouraging unity among the church. Maybe you're called to be a pastor. If you say, my passion is in the doctrine. In now, we should all have a passion for doctrine, right, and truth. But what I mean is your passion is communicating the doctrine in a, in a way that is understandable. You may be called to be a teacher. Is that good today? Hallelujah. That broken down enough. I believe that this is a great way. And this, the whole purpose of this is not to put us in a box and say we can only be one thing. But it is to look and say, what office is God calling me in right now? What office do I need to walk in that can bless and help the church today? Where is there a lacking? 
Maybe I'm not great at unbelievers and preaching to the lost, but if I see a gap in the office of an evangelist, let me tell you, somebody's got to step up and get a passion for unbelievers and go out there and preach the doctrine. Hallelujah. (coughs) Praise God. So understanding these five can help us to understand my role, where I can be involved. Now, I recognize there are many other roles in the church, and we've got different positions, serve team leader, prayer coordinator, Sunday school coordinator, all those different things. And, of course, these are spiritual roles, uh, in the church, spiritual roles. That means that we don't often go around and assign it. Okay, now you're going to be the apostle. You're going to be the evangelist. I don't believe that's God's plan. As we'll see, the Bible tells us that God puts these in the church. Hallelujah. As God sees fit. Praise God. Hallelujah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the departments. Uh, I think it's important that we see these not so much as just one office, as in there's just one man in the church that's called to be these things. Often there are leadership roles in the church that God causes somebody to step up and be the prophet or the evangelist or, or what have you. But they are often just simply leaders in that area, meant to keep the church focused on that area so that the church can do the work of the ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. The evangelist is supposed to always be communicating the need to preach to the lost. Hallelujah. I tell you, I've been more encouraged by uh, an evangelist who's supposed to be, passion is out there to preach to the lost, but they've encouraged me so much to myself go out and do the work of an evangelist because that's their heartbeat. They're in a leadership role, and that's what they're supposed to do is encourage the church, keep the church focused on unbelievers, just as the others in their area of focus are meant to do that. So it's not supposed to be just simply, okay, one man is supposed to have the heart, and one man is supposed to be the eyes. One man or woman is supposed to be the mouth. One man or woman is supposed to be the ears that are meant to help the church to operate in these departments. So if you will, if these are offices, then they serve, these offices are within the departments that every person in the church needs to get involved in. Let me tell you, every person needs to get involved in prophecy. Every person needs to get a a love for doctrine. Every person needs to get a burden for the lost. Every person needs to get a burden for believers to encourage and to pray for believers, right? Uh, Hallelujah. So these are departments that absolutely every one of us should operate in. 1 Corinthians 12.4. Now, there are diversity of but the same spirit. Let's be clear about this. There's different offices. Some we may try to exalt above the other. But the fact of the matter is, it's all the same spirit. And there's different people in the body of Christ, but they're all the same spirit, the same God that is operating. There are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, But it is the same God which worketh all in all. The same God works in the prophet as it's the same God that works in the pastor. 
And the God that works in the teacher is the same God that works in the evangelist. God works in our hearts. God does this operation. God is involved. Oh, I think we need to just let God do what he wants to do. Amen. Hallelujah. And if we feel like God is pulling us in one area, absolutely go after that and let God do what he desires to do in your life. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The New King James Version says to profit all. What he's saying there is the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man that we may profit the church and all who are in the church. So I'm not just sitting around saying, well, look at me, I'm the prophet. Look at me, I'm the apostle. Who cares if you're a prophet or an apostle or a pastor or anything like that if you're not primarily focusing on profiting the church? So I'm not in this for my own profit. I'm not in this to exalt myself or to get gain in my pocket. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm in this to profit the church. And if God's given me a gift, oh, man, I want to use it to bless the church and to profit the church, that the church would be able to grow. (coughs) Hallelujah. And then just a few verses later, see that God assigns each gifting as he wills. First Corinthians 12, 11, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. This is in the New King James Version here. But it's as he wills, not as I will. I tell you, there's been times when I've seen people minister and I wanted to minister just like them. I said, well, man, I want to do that. And I'd go and do it, and it would fall flat. Because I'm not them, and I'm not anointed like they are, and I don't have their spirit. Hallelujah. So absolutely, we should just let God use us, and if we see a gap, let's work in it. But at the end of the day, we must recognize where God has called us, and God will distribute to us the gifting that he wills for us to operate in. Amen. And he will give it to us in the timeline that he desires. So I can walk around and claim that I'm in the office of pastor and that's all I'm ever going to be. But maybe God wants to move me to a different office. Maybe there's another department I need to operate in. Let me tell you, in, in this church, as, as we're growing and we're, our ministry is growing and all that, the last 10 years I've had to operate in all five of the offices because of the lack of, of other ministers and stuff like that. And I'm thankful we've got more people stepping up and doing more, and I'm so appreciative of that. But again, as God desires it, so if, if and I feel called by God to go pastor a church, well, God desired for me to change roles. Hallelujah. And that's all right, praise God. Because he's the one in charge. Everybody say he's in charge. He's in charge. I don't get to make those decisions. Hallelujah. Somebody the other day asked me a question at work. I told him I'm that's above my pay grade. Hallelujah. Stop trying to decide what God's supposed to decide. And let God just lead us. Let God do the work. Let God do the do something in this place. And, and let God use us according to his own will. 
and let's not try to push ourselves into other things. All right, let me continue to move on here. <coughs> we want to define the office of the prophet. Last lesson we talked about the apostle. This lesson we're talking about the prophet again. I have just so much information. I've already communicated this, but let me say it again. We should not try to establish a strict definition of any of the ministerial office gifts, but we can recognize scripturally and through observation in the church today the ways in which these offices operate, right? We can recognize it. So we're not trying to put them in a box, say they have to do this, you have to do that, especially in the role of the prophet. That's very difficult to do. Hallelujah. But we can, again, see how they operate scripturally and through observation and come to some conclusions. This is a conclusion that I have found through studying scripture and from knowing men and women who I would consider prophets. It's the prophet's focus is spirit or on the spiritual realm. They are <laughs> they're kind of spooky. They tend to be seen as a little spooky. They tend to make people feel uncomfortable. They tend to be a little bit more heavenly minded than they are earthly minded, right? (laughs) But let me tell you, prophets are absolutely essential for the New Testament church. Uh, And I tell you, if we needed anything in this church right now, I'm praying that God would give us some prophets in this church. Hallelujah. Because I believe that's an area that we need more in. We need people to see us. The prophets, they help to keep the church focused on the gifts of the Spirit. I recognize today we're trying to save a dying and lost physical world. But the only way to save them in this physical world is by presenting them a spiritual kingdom. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why the prophet is so important. Because what did Paul say? He said, my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of the Holy Ghost. I tell you, hallelujah, I know we're preaching a physical doctrine. We're preaching out of a physical book. But we are investing in a heavenly spiritual kingdom. And if we want to see the law saved, and if we want to have the type of church that we desire a biblical rating in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, we need to see signs and wonders. Oh, uh, we need to see signs and wonders. Uh, we need people who are going to prophesy. We need people who are going to see in the Spirit uh, and not just in the physical. We need people who are going to operate uh, in that area. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We need people who are going to have the spiritual insight. People who are going to invest their time maybe above any of the other uh, roles in prayer and fasting. Hallelujah. People who are going to operate in a level of faith. 
And I, I, you know, I want to be careful with these words. Again, I'm not trying to say it takes more faith to be a prophet than, than the others, but, but we recognize the gifts of the Spirit operating in prophecy. But, but I'm talking about people who are willing to step up and say, I want to be more than just a man in this physical world. I want to do more than just work in this physical world. I want to operate in the Spirit. I want to operate in the spiritual realm. I want to see what's going on. I want to see the angels that are in the building the demonic presence that are in the building. I want to see God operate through healing and signs and wonders and miracles. I want to speak words that are only meant for that individual because it's of the future or maybe of the past or maybe it's of their present. But I want to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And if that means that maybe I might be a little spooky... Or may people feel a little uncomfortable. Maybe I'm a little bit more heavenly minded than earthly minded. Again, we need balance in all things. But oh, that somebody would step up and say, God, I want you to use me to heal this individual. I want you to use me to prophesy to this individual. I want you to use me. Hallelujah. Because... And we'll hopefully, maybe, we'll see. We may talk about the prophet specifically more. But what I'd really like to focus on today is the role of prophecy in the New Testament church. Before I get into to the New Testament church, we recognize the role of prophecy in the Old Testament. I mean, the role of prophecy is so important and huge Obviously, it's important to us because we read the words of prophecy. We recognize the Old Testament, all the prophets that spoke and, and the prophecies that were given. How beautiful is the Old Testament prophecy. Hallelujah. The prophets served in such an important role to guide the kingdoms, to give direction to the people. It's to the Spirit Prophecy needs to be just as much in operation in the church today as it was in the Old Testament. Amen. Be called to be a prophet. Let me tell you, you can still operate in the gifts of prophecy. We talked about the gifts of prophecy, and we'll talk more about it in our gifts of the Spirit uh, lessons that we're doing on uh, during our life groups. It's getting confusing now. We got like five different series going on and all that, but hallelujah, all good stuff, I hope. Praise God. But hallelujah, but prophecy, it's not, we're not here just to, to claim that the only one that should be operating in the gifts of the Spirit are the prophets, but we must all of prophecy in the church today. Just as the Old Testament had prophets, so did the first church. Acts 13 and 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Serene and Menane, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Now it doesn't, but it tells us the New Testament church had teachers. The role I'm sorry, prophets, the role of the prophet did not end with the Old Testament. Uh, no, but it's still in operation today. 
maybe even more so than ever before. Hallelujah. In fact, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2 and 20 that the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. After doing a lot of research, I've come to the conclusion that this isn't talking about the apostles in the New Testament and the prophets in the Old Testament, but rather this is talking about the apostles and prophets in the New Testament. Hallelujah. What he's saying is the very church, this entity we call church, it is built upon the words of apostles and prophets. How important is a prophet to the New Testament church? We are built upon the words of the prophets. We are built upon prophecy. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Oh, hallelujah. It is my desire that everything that goes on here, this is my prayer. Hallelujah. That we wouldn't take another step without prophecy being behind it. That prophecy would be the very thing that builds this church. That prophecy would be the thing that guides this church and directs this church. Hallelujah. I want this church right here to be built off of prophecy. Somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. Prophecy in the New Testament church. Prophecy is the result of the outpouring of God's Spirit, and it is an indication of God's Spirit in operation in the church. You want to look around and see, is God in operation in the church? Here's the question. Is there prophecy in the church? Acts 2.17 and it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Then it has a colon. Meaning what's coming after this is the result of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. If there's going to be an outpouring in Stuart, this is what it's going to look like. This is the result. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Hallelujah. If we're going to have a move of the Spirit in this church, this is what it looks like. It looks like our sons and daughters prophesying. It looks like men and women stepping up and saying, Thus saith the Lord. How important is prophecy? I believe there's a dual meaning here. First of all, the Spirit of God would be poured out and prophecy would follow. But I also believe it works the other way. When somebody steps up and prophesies. There is often an outpouring of the Spirit of God. Oh, I want to put it in somebody's heart today to get up and say, I want to be used in prophecy. I want to prophesy. Hallelujah. We should expect prophecy whenever there is a moving of God's Spirit. I do not believe that we should have prophecy every now and then. I do not believe we should have prophecy once a month. 
I believe we should have prophecy every time we gather together. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about stepping out and trying to make predictions and foolish predictions. I'm talking about men and women who are spiritually sensitive. Step up and say, God, use me today to speak to somebody. Use me today to say, thus saith the Lord. Use me today to speak into somebody's life. Use me today in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, Oh, can you pray with me right now? Just cry out to the Lord. God, we want to see prophecy in this church. We want to see the gifts of the Spirit in this church. God, we want to see you give us direction and guidance through prophecy, Lord. Yes, Lord God, let every meeting have prophecy. Let every meeting, Lord Jesus, have people who are stepping up and used by you, Lord God, to prophesy in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now this is telling us your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. I believe what he's trying to do here is he's trying to say all people from all different spectrums are going to be used in the supernatural and see in the spiritual realm. This is a fact that we find from scripture and through observation. In the New Testament church, anyone can prophesy. If you've got the Spirit of God living inside of you, you can prophesy. Even in the book of Acts, Acts 21 and 9, it says, And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. Hallelujah. wants to make this point. These are four daughters, meaning they had a father. They were young ladies. They were virgins, meaning they were not married. They were possibly in their teen years. And yet these young women who did not have a husband, who were not great in the society, who were not leaders in that right, not yet, but they were still used in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. If they could prophesy, you can prophesy. If they could be used in the gifts of the Spirit, you can be used in the gifts of the Spirit. Because in the New Testament church, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got the spirit of prophecy. And all you need to do is be sensitive to God. And God will use you to speak Thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how young. It doesn't matter how old. It doesn't matter how, if you're a man or a woman, it doesn't matter how long you've been in the church. I've seen people prophesy who are living in sin. Hallelujah. It's because they were just, in that moment, allowed God to use them. If God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Moses, when uh, 
when he began to, to pray for, for the leaders in the society, I didn't put this in my notes. God's just leading me here. In the Old Testament, Moses prayed for the leaders to be able to take on the role of spiritual leadership in the, the nation of Israel. The Bible says they began to prophesy as the Spirit of God came upon them. But it was a strange thing because off in the distance, nowhere in the middle of the group that they had designated as prophets and leaders, off way in the distance in the midst of the congregation, the Bible says there was a couple of men who all of a sudden began to prophesy as the Spirit came over them. And they came to Moses uh, and said, Moses, do you see this coming on? You see this happening? You need to rebuke them. Maybe we should stone them. They're outside of God's will because they're not part of the leadership that you designated. And here's what Moses said. I wish that all would prophesy. I wish that all. Oh, I'm just praying that God would bring some people out of the congregation that would prophesy. I'm waiting for some people on the pews the prophet. What if it wasn't just the pulpit preacher and teachers prophesying? What if the pews were prophesying? What if the pews, the congregation was prophesying? Oh, we'd see a move of God like we want to see in the Oh, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. I, one of the first prophets that I ever met that I recognized was operating in the office of a prophet. He was not a preacher. He was not a leader in the church. He was just somebody in the pews. And yet God used him in great ways. He went on a youth on missions trip. He was a real outdoorsy type of guy. He was somebody that was just, you know, fishing and hunting and, and all that stuff. He's just a country boy. Hallelujah. But I remember his anointed ministry and how he would be used so much so even my wife knew of him. And we didn't go on the same trip together or anything. She knew of him. He wasn't a preacher. He wasn't anybody in leadership. He was just in the pews. I remember one night they asked me to preach and I had gotten a message, and you've heard me tell this story before, but let me give you this new context. Uh, they had asked me to preach. I brought a sermon with me to preach. Uh, but as I went to prayer, I felt like, I don't know what, I felt a little off about it. Uh, we had a prayer meeting in our in our uh, hotel room before the service, uh, and that man came. And we were praying. It was just a few of us, and I was still young. I was maybe 18, 19, and we were praying. And I, I just kind of looked up while I was praying, and I saw this man just staring at me. I thought, okay, man, like move along. Again, I, I still didn't really know who he was. And I just kept walking back and forth praying. 
But I could see out of the corner of my eyes, he was just staring at me. Again, spooky, uncomfortable. (laughs) Finally, I just said, all right, God, what is this? And I just stopped and stared right back at him. And it was like the, the waters parted. He just walked right to me. And he said, Aaron, I know you've got a sermon tonight. He said, but when I look at you, I see an open door. I want you just to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Don't preach what you think you're going to preach. Just let God speak to you and direct you on what you want to preach. At that very moment, I did not appreciate him being a a prophet. (laughs) What? Okay. You know, so I took my sermon and I split it up in 50 different ways and I created five different sermons out of it and it still wasn't right. We drove to the service and I'm still messing with my notes and trying to figure it out. We walked into the, the, the service and, or the building and I'm still messing with my notes, praying, God, show me what you want me to preach. The service starts. I still don't know what I'm supposed to preach. All I know is this man said there's an open door. I don't know what that means. They they get through the song service. He's about to announce me. And I said, God, I still have nothing. The moment they said my name, Aaron Meehan, God spoke to me and said, just preach. These signs shall follow them that believe. I got up there and I preached it. I stumbled around. It wasn't the prettiest sermon. I just spread that scripture and I told every sermon, every story of miracles that I knew. We ended up having over 10 people get the Holy Ghost. There were signs and wonders. We had a lady come up out of a wheelchair who was crippled and she walked for the first time in years. Hallelujah. What I'm saying is the role of the prophet is so important for the church. The role of prophecy is so important. You don't have to be a leader and sometimes the prophecy is meant to guide leadership. Hallelujah. Prophecy is so important in the church and anybody can do it as long as you are operating in the gifts and you are being sensitive to the Spirit of God. Let me tell you today, Paul encouraged the church to desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. He said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1. He said, follow after charity, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. If you look at that in a different version, it means, but especially that you should prophesy. He said spiritual gifts are so important. You should desire them. But especially that we should prophesy. Why? Because the church is built on prophecy. The church is built upon prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14.39 He says very similarly, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy. 
The word covet can be translated earnestly desire to prophesy. Oh, I pray today every one of us would get an earnest desire in our hearts that says, God, I want you to use me to prophesy. I may not be a prophet. I may never walk in that that realm. But God, I can be used in the gifts of the Spirit. Use me to see in the Spirit. Use me to prophesy. Somebody shout and say, use me to prophesy. Hallelujah, because not only is the church built upon prophecy, but ministries are born and fulfilled because of prophecy. Timothy, a very important character in Scripture, he was the the follower of Paul, Paul was his mentor. Paul wrote to him in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14. He said, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy. The gifts, the ministries that he was being used in Paul claimed it was given to him by prophecy. The understanding of where he was meant to be, of what he was supposed to do, somebody at some point prophesied to Timothy. And it was that prophecy that Timothy built his ministry on. I tell you, there's ministries in this church that are still unrecognized because God is searching for a prophet to prophesy. There's men and women in this church who are called for greater thing, yet it is still unrecognized because God says, I just need one man or one woman who will step up and let me speak through them to prophesy to that person. Now, please notice one thing. The prophecy was given concerning Timothy's gifts. And it was confirmed by the laying on the hands of the presbytery. Meaning, there is a secondary role to that prophecy. It should be given in the spirit, but it should also be confirmed through our spiritual leaders. But he was given it. His ministry was built off it. Not only was it built off of that prophecy, but Paul tells us that it is that prophecy in which Timothy would become successful. He says this in verse 18, 1 Timothy 1.18, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Now these may not be the same prophecy. Maybe this was a different prophecy. First it was, in in verse 14, it was given thee by prophecy. Now he's saying there's prophecies. 
So maybe it didn't stop there. Maybe he got more prophecies. Maybe somebody stepped up and prophesied that he would go into that area and pastor that church and he would be successful when he did it. I don't know what the prophecy is, but I know that Paul said through that prophecy, you are going to wage war and operate in your calling. That thou by them, what is the them? The prophecies. Midas war a good warfare. Can I tell you, we will be built upon prophecy. We will also thrive through prophecy. It's so important to have prophecy because without prophecy, we may question, is this the will of God for my life? Is this what I'm really called to do? We may walk away without prophecy, without a word from the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what, that's why prophecy is so important to the church because prophecy It helps us to thrive in ministry. It helps us to recognize that it is not just a guess. My calling is not just built off of an idea that I might be called. My plan is not just built off of a a habit or, or a book that I read, but it's built off of spiritual insight through the gifts of the Spirit called prophecy. If we could stand today, I'm going to close this right now. Maybe next lesson we'll talk specifically about the role of the prophet. But today, Monday night, I just began to pray as I laid here in the, on the floor in the altar. And I felt so strongly God putting in my heart and saying, I'm going to call prophets in this church and they're going to usher in a new outpouring of the Holy Ghost. There's going to be people who are set free because of prophecy. This church is going to be built off a prophecy that is spoken, not just because of the person behind the pulpit, but because of the men and women in the congregation. Oh, somebody today covet to prophesy. Would somebody today earnestly desire to speak through the Spirit that saith the Lord? Am I talking to anybody today that would come down to this altar and find a place to get on your hands? hands and knees and say, God, I may not be used in this area all the time. I may not be called to be a prophet. Maybe I am. But Lord, I pray you use me in the gifts of the Spirit. I pray you use me to prophesy. Give me insight in the Spirit.